Would you open your Bible to uh, Exodus chapter 14? Some of you have been so excited for us to get to the parting of the Red Sea. We're getting there today, God willing. We're going there, okay? So uh, some of you have even fussed at me a little bit for taking so long to get there. But we're trying to do what the Lord's asking us to do. You know, as I considered this, I thought about a story I heard years ago about a boxer. And in this, in this story, it talked about this, this boxer who, who had trained for his, his competition and he had prepared for this big fight he had coming. And, and he gets out there, the, the first round, man, he feels like he's just being knocked all over the ring. The other guy's getting in the best punches. He's trying to even just go into a place of defense mode, just trying to cover up, just to survive the first round. And he goes to his corner, and his coach meets him there, his manager meets him there, and he says, well done. The fight's going our way. You got him right where we want him. Now go out and finish him. And that boxer just kind of looks up at his trainer like that. Round two starts. He goes out. He's ready to fight, and he just gets knocked all around the ring. I mean, he's knocked down one time. He stumbles back to his feet. He's trying to cover up. He's doing his best just to make it to the bell. The bell rings, he goes over, he sits down, the trainer comes to him, he says, well done, you're doing a great job, you, we got him right where we want him, you're doing awesome, just keep it up, now go out there and finish this guy. That guy's like, are you kidding me? So he goes back out there a third time, and this time it's ugly. I mean, you thought the first two rounds were bad, this round was really bad. He's grabbing the ropes, pulling himself up, he's doing everything he can just to survive. I mean, he's literally in survival mode, and the bell rings, and he goes to his corner. And there again, blood running down his face, the trainer looks at him and says, fight's going our way. We got him right where we want him. Now get out there and finish him. And finally, the boxer looks up at his trainer and he says, yeah, yeah, I'll go back out there, but keep an eye on that referee because somebody out there is beating me half to death. <laughs> I thought about that story this week and I thought about my life. We go to church on Sunday morning and some preacher gets up and says how that we're the victors and if God's on our side we, we've read the end of the book and we win but we're in this fight every day you're going out to work and school and you're experiencing some tough stuff in your life you're going through some real difficult things punches that you never thought would come your way and now they're coming and some pastor gets up and even in the word you know we read about us being victors and we're sitting in our corner going are you kidding me I'm supposed to be the one walking in victory. I'm getting killed out here in real life. I wonder if that's how the Egyptians felt as God led them out of bondage in Egypt. In Exodus 14, I want you to look with me. Of course, the Bible tells us that the, the Pharaoh and his Egyptian army are bearing down on the children of Israel at this point. They've got rough terrain on each side. They're up against the Red Sea. There is no escape. There is no way out for the children of Israel. And so they've come and they begin to cry out to the Lord. In verse 13, the Bible tells us of the response of Moses after speaking to the Lord. He speaks to the people and he says to them, Fear not. Somebody say, Fear not. Our theme this year is don't be afraid. Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, 
and you have only to be silent. Somebody needs to mark that in your Bible, circle it, grab hold of that word this morning for your life. The Lord will fight for you. It's the title of our message today. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Do something. Don't just stand here. He's basically saying, don't even just stand here and pray. Get busy. Go do what you know you should do. And then he gives him instruction in verse 16. The Lord tells Moses, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That sounds easier said than done, right? Divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh. Remember, that's the purpose of all of this. The Lord is glorifying himself through all of this difficult circumstance. It's so that he would be glorified above anyone or anything. He says, I will be glorified. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel, we talked about that as a pillar of uh, a cloud and a pillar of fire, that the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, protecting God's people, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand as God had instructed him over the sea, and the Lord drove back drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. We spoke about that last week. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptians forces on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily and the Egyptians said let us free flee from before Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians the Lord fights for his people The Egyptians are acknowledging that God is fighting for his children. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh and had, that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And that, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you, was the very first aquarium in the world. Some of you will get that in about an hour. (laughs) Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Wow. God shows up, 
and fights for his people. Does God do that? You better believe it. God did it then, and I believe God's still fighting for his people today. Number one in your outline, Moses' response in verse 14 was to remind the people that he was leading to keep their focus on the unchanging presence and promise of the Lord. Some of you need to hear that today. God is with you, not only walking with you, but he's leading you even in the midst of your difficult circumstances. If your heart, your life is surrendered to him, he's got you. He's got you. He's leading you. He's walking with you today. And Moses is trying to remind the people as they cried out to him in fear, and rightfully so. They were afraid. I mean, this was certain destruction. They were going to be destroyed. They were going to be killed. But Moses hears from the Lord as he cries out to the Lord. And and so he reminds the people, don't be afraid. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. You see, in circumstances of life, we really have three options. When, thing, when we're in circumstances of our life, we either, we either surrender to what's coming at us, or we fight, or we trust God and let him fight for us. I'm going to say that again. In, in circumstances of life, we really have three options. We either surrender to what's happening, or we fight in our own power, or we trust God and believe he's fighting for us. Israel is in a tough spot. And Moses reminds them that God hasn't left them alone. I'm reminding you of that today as well. But God was preparing to show the world his strength and his glory, and he does so. The fire and the cloud as visible means of direction and protection and assurance is is what it had been for them to this point. But now all hope seems lost. No doubt the people of Israel felt like somebody out here is beating us to death and yet we're supposed to be the ones walking in victory. Let me remind you this morning, our God is a mighty warrior. He is a shepherd leading his people, but he's also a mighty warrior who fights for his people. I said he's a gentle shepherd leading his people, but he's also a mighty warrior fighting for his people today. I believe that wasn't just for then. I believe it's for now, for your life, and for mine, and for all of God's people throughout the earth. Number two in your outline, the Israelites saw the Red Sea as an uncontrollable enemy. Parting the sea was an unforgettable demonstration that every force of nature was and is completely under God's control. This is interesting. I want you to think with me for a minute. God gives this instruction to Moses to stretch out his rod over the sea, his staff over the sea. And and you need to understand this rod is not a magic wand. It It wasn't Disney doing some kind of spectacular, right? This was just obedience to God. He stretches out this rod over the sea and the Lord... Not the wand, but the Lord and his power. God demonstrates his authority over all things, not just the Egyptians. But he demonstrates his authority and power even over creation. The cloud and the fire had had been operating. This cloud and fire that the Lord was in and using this practical uh, thing that we might see every day, a fire and cloud, but God was in it. God used it for his glory. Actually, we might say that the cloud and fire had been two different realities. It was a curse to the pressing Egyptians, but it was a blessing to the trapped Israelites. Same with the Red Sea. As it parts, it's a blessing to the children of Israel. But it was destruction 
for the Egyptians. Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 tells us this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those that dwell therein. Everything in this world is God's and belongs to him. All of creation was done by him, and God shows up. In Psalm 93, they call it, as well as other psalms, they they call it a royal psalm. Now, not all psalms are considered royal psalms, but Psalm 93 is considered a royal psalm because it celebrates God as creator and king of all things. It's declaring that he cannot be moved, that no one will ever defeat him as God of all things that he has no rivals, he has no equals there with him. I love that, that song we do sometimes. What a beautiful name it is. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. I love that. It's declaring exactly what Psalm 93 and other psalms will, will declare. It's celebrating God as king and creator of all things. It's a royal psalm. No power no on earth or the universe can ever take the earth away from God's control. I don't care what science says. I don't care what government says. God is in control. Uh, and, and that's just the bottom line of it. He's the creator. He's the king with infinite power. And nothing and no one is competition to him. In fact, Psalm 93 says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on, the, on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne, speaking to the Lord, your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. You have no beginning. You have no end. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. But listen to this. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Oh yes, for your life today, the Lord on high is mighty. Now last week in our teaching, we spoke about this reality from the gospels you might remember from the gospels that there was a storm on the water god had jesus had led his disciples into a boat they were to go to the other side and and in the midst of their journey this terrible storm comes up anybody remember that from last week and then jesus is asleep on the boat and he comes forward they're afraid and they say lord don't you care that we're dying and jesus comes and he speaks peace to the storm Some of you remember that from last week, how that the Lord calmed the storm. Can I tell you today that the same God that spoke peace to the winds and the waves in the Gospels, now in Exodus we see, brings winds and causes water to stand tall. He brings the storm, you might say. This divine miracle was done suddenly by divine power, and it was undone suddenly by that same power the same God who can calm the storm is the same God that controls all of nature the waters part the waters parting was not merely accomplished by nature God used created things to perform his will to bring about his plan now think about this the Bible says the strong winds blew apart the sea That's a a wind strong enough to hold up walls of water would have blown both the Israelites and the Egyptians away. It would have blown them away. Some say that that these walls of water were about 75 to 100 feet tall on each side. 
and the, the, the wind blew them apart, separated them. Some believe that it was, they crossed a, a, a passing that was 12 miles wide, the Red Sea. And so the walls of water on each side of them and the wind blowing so strong miraculously dries up the land. They're not going through bogged down in mud and mire. They're going through on dry ground, God's people. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Anybody remember that old course? <laughs> he works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will show up. He always shows up for his people, often in ways that we're not expecting. Now, I know there are some people today who are trying to, who are trying to say this miracle didn't happen quite like we might think it did or like the Bible records. There's people who say, actually, the children of Israel crossed in a spot where it's only three to five inches deep of water. And so they were able to cross there, which tells me that's also, if you want to go that route, I don't agree with you, but so be it. I just want to remind you that then God drowned all of Egypt and his horses and drowned his chariots in three to five inches of water. Because they crossed right in after the children of Israel. And they saw them destroyed. The Lord destroyed them as a great miracle. I choose to take God at his word and just believe it as it says it. You see, because I've seen God show up in my life. I've never seen him part waters or move mountains, but he could if, I, if he needed to for me. And he would do it for you as his child. If it was in his plan, he would and he can. Now, here's, here's one of my questions in all of this. How hard must Pharaoh's heart have been? How stubborn must he have been to try to fight God in this situation? I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if I see walls of water, 75 to 100 feet tall, and I see God's people going across on dry land, I, and I've already been through all the plagues back in Egypt, something's got to be triggering in this guy that I'm fighting somebody greater than the children of Israel. I am fighting the Lord God Almighty, and his heart is so hardened that he goes on in and pursues the children of Israel. Number three in your outline, some people fight for their gods, and I believe that's what Pharaoh may have thought he was doing. Some people fight for their God or their gods, but for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, the Almighty God fights for them, sometimes even by means of using his creation. God can do that. If you want a New Testament scripture, I'm not going to read it. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. Remember when Paul and Silas were in jail for preaching the gospel? And at the midnight hour, they sang praises to God. And as they sang praises to God, the Bible says the earth shook. There was an earthquake, and all the chains fell off of all the prisoners, and the prison doors flew open. I'm convinced that they weren't down there praising God to get free. I'm convinced they were praising God because they were free even in the midst of a prison. They were already free in their heart, in their mind, in their spirit. They were free and worshiping their God, and God showed up using a means of natural, what we would say, natural disasters. He used a means of something natural, an earthquake, to free the prisoners or to make it possible for them to free, be freed on that night. See, God caused the chains to fall off of Paul and Silas as they prayed. Now, the message from Scripture for us about creation, and I don't want us to miss it today, God not only goes to battle on our behalf, but he conquers our enemies. 
the Lord conquers our enemy. And when I think about that, I think about what Jesus did on the cross for us. He conquered the greatest enemy of all, death, hell, sin, the grave. He conquered all of that for me and for you. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to give you a chance to take communion. And we're going we're gonna to invite the praise team up. Go ahead, team, get ready. They're going to play some music while we serve you communion today. If you are walking with the Lord, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're inviting you in just a moment to come forward, take the bread and the cup. The Bible tells us that the bread is, is uh, the body broken, Christ's body broken for us. The, the cup, the, the juice there is, is the blood of the new covenant he was making with his people, this covenant of grace. I'm reminded of this reality as we, as we look at, at the children of Israel being led out of bondage in Egypt. It really is a beautiful picture, isn't it, of how the Lord Jesus came to set us free from our captivity. The captivity of sin, this enslavement to sin. Jesus came. And he, he, he didn't just make a way. John 14 and 6 tells us Jesus is the way. He is the way. He's not a way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says no one comes to the Father. No one makes heaven their home except they go through Jesus Christ. He suffered and bled and died on a cross for my sin and for yours, for the sin of the whole world. He shed his own blood for our salvation so that we could be free from the bondages of sin so that we could have heaven as our home with him someday now he, he died for that but then three days later he rose again didn't he he rose again victorious over hell death sin and the grave he didn't just die he rose again and so when we come to the table of the Lord we come remembering his suffering and giving thanks but we also come with celebration in our hearts because we know he's alive and, and the scriptures tell us we do this until he comes until he returns for us his people point number four in your outline I want to finish with this the Egyptians confess the Lord fights for his people the Lord fights for the Israelites the Lord friends he's fighting for you he loves you he's fighting for you somebody said well Scott is the Lord on your side? I said, I'm not concerned about the Lord being on my side. I want to be on his side. He, he, he fights for his people. Sometimes he performs miracles like parting the sea. Make note of this. Sometimes he'll, he'll do a miracle like parting the sea, but other times it's more subtle. It's a more subtle creating or changing of our circumstances. It's not always sudden and majestic. Sometimes it's a process. God may be working that creative miracle in your life today, in your situation. When in situations in your life and there seems there's no way out, difficult circumstances, sometimes we feel as though we're losing the battle. I believe the words of the Lord from Moses or through Moses to the people when he said, stand still, don't panic. Don't panic. God can and he will make a way for you, his people. And there was a convincing victory on this day. I believe God wants to show up in our lives, in, in my life, in your life, in such a way that those around us will have to look and say, surely God has done this thing. Surely God has fought this battle for you. There's a song out right now. 
pretty popular if you listen to Christian radio. This is how I fight my battle. Anybody heard that? It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. Think about that. I tell you, I've thought about that song before, and I thought it's one thing just to do an anthem. This is how I fight my battle. This is? No, I'll tell you how I fight my battles. I like this. Oh, God, I need you. It feels like the world's closing in around me. The darkness is closing in around me. It seems hopeless. But I'm telling you, friends, when you cry out to God as the children of Israel did, the Lord shows up and he's fighting for his people. He's fighting for you today. You may not be chased by an army, but you may still feel trapped by circumstances in your life. You may feel like somebody's beating you to death, like the boxer. You come to church and we tell you you're walking in victory and God is our victor. And you may feel like that boxer that's losing the battle. But friends, instead of giving in to despair, stand still. See God show up in your life. When things aren't going your way or God isn't moving as quickly as you think he should. Or maybe he's not acting in the way that you wanted him. What are we to do? I'm going to give you our last verse for this morning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. I don't like either one of those words, patience or tribulation. Maybe you do and you're laughing at me. I don't know. Patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. This is how I fight my battle from our knee.